Welcome to the College Football Bros. You've got mail. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. So it's been a pretty uneventful day, I would say, yeah. in college football. So decided to just do a mailbag instead, a little Ask the Bros episode. Not much to talk about. So uh, Yawner. Yawner. No, we did, of course, I'm sure you've already seen it on the feed. We did our, our thoughts on USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten. Pretty crazy. Uh, but we had some other news in the past week that we should get to. UAB head coach Bill Clark is retiring due to chronic back issues, unfortunately. Uh, what were your thoughts on on this news? It's, of course, uh, a shame. Uh, obviously, you hope the the time away here will will give him a, a better quality of life. But but in terms of on the field, like you have to commend what he did coaching. Uh, he guided, I mean, little UAB, if you will, to two conference titles, five bowl games in his six years. And it really can't be understated how he did it. Um, he, he had the one season... And then the program is terminated, like left for dead. They relaunched the program, what, two, three years later. It honestly seems like a borderline miracle that, that, that the first team back went eight and five into a bowl game. Like that might, that's probably something we'll never see again. Oh, I highly doubt it. Yeah, that to me, that was incredible. I just remember thinking at the time, like, oh man, they're going to be so bad. Like if they're just gone for two years and trying to make another team come back, like they're going to be horrible. But winning eight games, that was unbelievable to me. And he went 28 and eight since they came back in the conference USA. So just an un- un- unbelievably good job by him. And I was kind of hoping he'd get a shot at, you know, a bigger school uh, just because of all the success he has had. And, you know, he's just 54, but yeah, it's, it stinks. I, hopefully he gets his, it gets healthy and hopefully he can come back and get into the coaching world again. Yeah. Well, either way, he's got a great legacy at UAB. He's uh, yeah. a hero there for sure. Saving that, helping to save that football program. Um, okay, let's get to the to the questions from the listeners that you guys sent in on Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate that. Trey, what's our first question? Looks like it's from Welch Michael. Uh, sorry if I mispronounced that. Which teams will be the most exciting to watch? Ryan, what uh, what do you think here? Yeah, uh, I, I prepared for a few here, but my, my number one... And I may have kind of touched on this in the past. I'm going to say BYU. Um, I mean, we, love we did an episode on the most yeah. fun teams, uh, a right. YouTube episode. So you can check that out as well. But we can, yeah, we kind of forgot it. who I took and that. But maybe I still took BYU. <laughs> I think I took uh, BYU, if I remember right. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. I, I, they're going to be fun to watch, man. I loved the Jaron Hall. Love watching him at quarterback. He's a great player. Um, they return a ton of production, second most in the nation. So they're going to be probably pretty darn good. Um, and you know, you talk about their schedule. They have some pretty cool matchups. They play the the reigning Big Twelve champs, Baylor. Um, they come to Provo, as does Arkansas. Arkansas also goes to Provo, so some pretty cool games there. They go to Oregon. They got Notre Dame and Vegas. Those are pretty some pretty four pretty cool games just right there. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to watch BYU. Yeah, BYU was on my list. Texas is is another one for me. They've got one of the p- potentially one of the top quarterbacks, Quinn Ewers, or at least um, was such a great recruit that just the intrigue of whether he'll be 
good or bad will be interesting and then B. John robinson is extremely fun to watch one of the best running backs in college football and you've got alabama on the schedule i know they're going to be a big underdog yeah. that game but it'll still be really exciting especially with all it's the in buzz austin. in austin especially with all the buzz now that's surrounding texas with arch manning and the recruiting class it just feels like texas has taken on a renewed uh, they've got some more juice oh yeah yep yeah they needed it after after their last season but uh, okay, you yeah. guys took two good ones that were on my list. I'm going to say, though, I'll say USC, just because we're going to see uh, a more exciting brand of football mixed with exciting new talent, mainly, obviously, via the transfer portal, especially on offense. Uh, you know, it'll be it'll be fun to see how it develops over the year. You know, I think most reasonable SC fans don't have a ton of high expectations for this year, so they they almost get to enjoy a, a free roll this year and, and see how the program is is heading into the next couple of years. And get to watch Caleb Williams, not bad. And Jordan Addison. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a good pick. There's, there's some other ones. I considered Miami, you know, new stuff going on there for sure. Be fun to watch. They could have a good offense, Tyler Van Dyke. So, all right. Any honorable mentions from you guys? No, I'm only going to watch those four teams we mentioned. Okay, <laughs> fair. <laughs> You're not going to watch Nebraska. You're lucky. No, Saving he said yourself. exciting. He's, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, exciting wow. for the teams that are playing against them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this next one's from uh, Krishna.sd. And I'm assuming that SD stands for San Diego. Yes, fellow San Diegan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not a fellow San Diegan, but. Wow. Um, will Braxton Burmeister make a difference for, fin- for San Diego State's offense? Michael. Maybe a little bit, but. So San Diego State has had a very weak passing game, of course, for several years running. It's been very frustrating, especially when they usually have a a great running game. So you'd think it would be easier to be at least efficient passing the ball. But even that has not been the case. But then, you know, you look at Braxton Burmeister's numbers at Virginia Tech and Fuente had generally done a decent job uh, making quarterbacks look good there. But his numbers really weren't much better than what Lucas Johnson did at San Diego State last year. So uh, you look at his career completion percentage, Burmeister, 56%. That is that is not good. So maybe he's an upgrade talent-wise. He was a big recruit once upon a time coming out of high school. He's got some mobility. But I, I think his career numbers and what he's done so far do not prove that he's going to be much of a difference. No, I think uh, I think if you're a San Diego State fan, you're kind of hoping that they have some decent pieces at receiver. Jesse Matthews, uh, Terrell Shavers. Uh, and the fact that the there's no kind of clear star running back going into this year. I'm sure someone obviously will develop, but maybe they maybe they shift the scheme just a little bit to to favor the passing game. But I've also kind of read that uh, some of the fans might might be uh, have more intrigue with the the young Will Haskell at, at quarterback since he's he's pretty athletic and he could bring some new blood. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Michael said. Just not a difference maker. I mean, he's a game manager type at best he's limited so i don't think he'll he's going to be the one that turns around sdsu's offense okay miles powell 32 asks how effective do you think Cade klubnik will be assuming he takes over for dju this one this one's tough it's tough to be specific here but but i think he has at least some more confidence than than dju given how uh dju might be questioning if it can actually work out for him um I would think Klubnik would be more effective uh, just because last year DJ only completed 55% of his passes. And like I mentioned, he didn't look confident doing so. 
Uh, and Dabo, he's been through a similar process with Trevor Lawrence and, and Kelly Bryant. I, un- I understand the circumstances were a little bit different, but he's not new to, to handling a, a quarterback race. And then Klubnik, if he does get in, he's going to have a great running game to rely on with Shipley. Uh, and on the outside, he needs one of his re- receivers to step up, maybe Joseph Ngata, um, Bo Collins. Really, overall, the, the concern is how will the whole offense look with a, with a new offensive coordinator and new voice? Yeah, I mean, if Klubnik does take over, which I've said he will eventually, if not from the start, I think he can help them improve the offense at least a little bit. Um, I, is he going to put Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson numbers up? No, he's not going to do that. They just don't have the pieces around him that those players were kind of blessed to have. Um, you know, they're bringing in some some new recruiting classes coming in, but at least in this point, they were bad last year. Just it wasn't just DJ's fault. I mean, it was some of his fault, of course, but it was it was a whole team effort that they're the reason why they really stunk it up on offense. So even if Klubnik comes in and is really good, don't expect him to just light it up and have huge numbers. So uh, it's just you just don't have the team to to do that. But I think I think he will take over. I think he's going to be all right. It's just got to temper expectations a bit. 100% agree with everything you said. Yeah, I think it might more depend on the improvement of everyone around him than than even on on Klubnik cuz the O-line needs to play a lot better than last year and and the receivers like they're just yeah, it just wasn't there last year. They weren't getting separation for for DJU. So it's that like you said it wasn't all DJU's fault. So it's not like Klubnik can just come in and light the world on fire, but if they improve and he has and it lives up to his number one overall, well, not number one overall, but number one quarterback in the country ranking, then yeah, I think he'd have some good games and, you know, yep. maybe some true freshman games. they could games. be a solid offense. I mean, maybe not elite, but solid. Man, I, I yep. wish my, my team had serious questions and they were still a top 10 team preseason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, the defense is, uh, <laughs> is, is not bad. They, they got yeah, not a bad team on there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Next one is from Miss Chelsea T., in 2023, who will be the starting quarterback for Texas, Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning? Yeah, it's as soon as Arch committed, it was kind of the conundrum right there. What uh, What's going on here in 2023? Um, everybody will probably have different answers. There's going to be a lot of people that say Manning, and some people will say Ewers. I'm going Ewers. Uh, I think he's going to have a very good year this year. Um, he's got the supporting cast for it, of course, um, and with all of the talent that Texas brought in, you know, on the offensive line, they'll be true freshmen this year. They should only grow with with Ewers, but obviously just the skill talent's insane too. Um, so I think it'll be Ewers this year, and it'll be Ewers in 2023. Um, and then he's going to go pro. Um, so Arch will have to sit one year watching Ewers, and then after that, Ewers, um, Manning will take over in 2024. I agree. Yeah, I would, I would make Ewers a, a significant favorite just because he, he was just as highly rated as arch manning and he's got a a one-year start in in sarkeesian system and kind of a you know two-ish year start as far as being in college yep i i agree with everything you guys said and and we also just kind of let's see how arch's senior year shakes out and and see how he he continues to develop how about they just play they for the first time in college football history they just what if they're both so great you don't want to lose either of them uh, you just play him like two QB system. Yeah, two QB system. But but this time, but just one <laughs> game at a time. You just go Quinn Ewers game one, Arch Manning game oh. two, Quinn Ewers <laughs> no. game three. Just go back and forth. Then if one just of them gets hurt, the at least you've still got a great quarterback. And there you go. Okay. 
Just put them in at the same time. Now like that's literally two that's quarterbacks. That's what I've been waiting for. Someone yeah. needs to tr- to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyways, the next question is from T Real Sugar Shane. Um, which head coach would you not want to be stuck in an elevator with, Michael? I have a feeling my answer is what a lot of people is who a lot of people say they would want to be in an elevator with, Mike Leach. Uh, just he just kind of seems like the crazy guy who would be talking your ear off about some conspiracy theory and you just kind of would have to nod be like oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I had a conversation like that today did you well i'm not gonna say anymore okay but, <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> yeah you know this is a, a tough one that uh, you go i've got a couple listed but i'm gonna just say i'm gonna say marcus freeman and not be the reason i'm gonna say this is just because he's he's like an alpha male and it would just make me feel inferior. Like he he was mm. this great player at Ohio State, awesome defensive coach, elite recruiter. Now he's the head guy at Notre Dame. Like what else can he do? Uh, I have nothing in common to chat with him about. I mean, I think there's like 130 head coaches that would be alpha males compared to you. So yeah. 131. Actually. Oh. We got to count James Madison's yeah. head wow. coach. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a good point, Mike. Good point, Michael. Thank you. Yeah. Um, for me, I'll probably go Jimbo Fisher. Um, just, you know, with his thing about saving, attacking him, he got all defensive about it. Even though it <laughs> he sounds was like, just started conversation. He's he, like, you know, we didn't pay anybody. Yeah. yeah he's just going to be like, <laughs> like that. No, I didn't say or maybe did, he'll, you know, if you, you know, maybe I'll, he'll, he'll feel like denied something. If he, let's say he's the guy that farts in the, the <laughs> elevator and I look at him like, dude, <laughs> I didn't fart. What are you talking about? What was this? Why are you going to get in my face about that? I didn't do that. It's like, <laughs> All right. Why'd you Stop push it. that button? <laughs> All right. Next question. Chad S underscore 529. Is Luke Fickle in it for the long haul at Cincinnati? I hope so. Uh, cause just cause I like seeing guys stick around. Uh, but it's really hard to say yes. I mean, you have to think if Ohio state opens up, you know, if day goes to the pros, he might go there. Uh, or maybe another kind of a really elite position opens up. But honestly, if I was a Cincy fan, I'd feel pretty good. I think the list of schools is is very small. Not to mention they're invest, investing some money now uh, that they they're going to the Big Twelve. I mean, his salary now would be only behind Oklahoma's Venables and Texas's Sark in that conference. So he's having success building a program uh, as they transition to the new conference. I mean, I think the pieces are there f- certainly for him to stay. Um, I don't think he is. Um if Ohio state's come, comes calling, he's going, he, he's just not going to turn that down. It, it's just, that would be dream job. It seems like number one for him. They, they're not Cincinnati's not going to be able to compete with, um, their money, the support, the recruiting that, you know, Hey, what Ohio if Ryan state day's has. there for the long haul though? Uh, well, I gotcha. don't think that's gotcha. either going to happen either. <laughs> no, I don't think, I just don't see it. I, I think eventually he's going to want to, eventually bounce i think there's a ceiling to cincinnati and he's gonna hit it and at some point and he's just gonna want to try for something else eventually yeah i i mean i think he could be there for a good amount of time i think the fact that uh he i mean this the notre dame opening it kind of seems like the timing just wasn't right there because he was going to be in the playoff in about a month and notre dame kind of wanted a guy then and they had marcus freeman who was a great option so you know who knows if offered if he would have taken it hard to say but um 
But yeah, you just you would think eventually, exactly like you said, there would be some opportunity that he would want to take. And the other thing is with this whole USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten and just thinking about conference realignment again makes me kind of even less confident that he will be there for the long haul because the the divide between the Big Ten and SEC compared to his even in the Big 12 could just be so massive that in terms of money and just opportunity to win a championship, maybe that uh, kind of forces his hand at some point. But but we'll see. I mean, he might just keep building up Cincinnati to where it's the gap isn't as huge. Possible. Yep. All right. Next one from Samurai Zach. You choose one team to never win a game again. Who do you choose, and why is it Texas? Mm. Those are Zach's words. Oh man, I I like Texas when they're good. I don't know. I mean, because they're kind of fun to hate on when they're good. It's when they're bad. It's like well. I don't know. It's not as fun. I think it's better. I think it's better when they're pretty good. They've been bad long enough for to the where it's, yeah, they've been it's bad not enough. as yeah. funny anymore. It, that's that's Although what exactly. I'm sure an that's Oklahoma fan would uh, would beg to differ. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, I, I want Texas to come back. It's cool to see them good. I think it's good for college football that way. But for me, I mean, I, I chose the easy way out here. I went with Alabama. Just I'm tired of seeing them win, man. They've won way too much. Like the dynasty needs to end. Okay. I guess I, for me, I thought of it as what would benefit USC the most. So I chose UCLA and I chose this before the, the whole conference realignment thing, but that works out even more because there is that is a team that will likely always be on USC's schedule. So there's a free win there. And then hopefully that means USC gets all the Southern Cal- California recruits that they're competing with the Bruins for. There you go. All right. I'm actually going to go instead. Now I'll change my tune. I'm going to go New Mexico State. They really haven't had success at all. So losing every game won't really impact them. There's not that many fans. And and even if they are, you know, not, you're just not, my goal is to limit the number of of fan casualties out there. And and that, but what about, it's not going to really take some of the luster out of the battle for New Mexico. Exactly. We're going to know what happened. (laughs) That's a great point. The battle of New Mexico will suffer. Yeah. Too bad. (laughs) All right, uh, let's move on to the next one from Scott Bedford. Um, he's our Iowa State guy, right? Yes. Cool. Go clones. Um, in your view, how does a booster see a return on investment uh, on a four-year, $9.5 million four-star QB? If you donate that money to a school, you get your name on something. So, Michael, what do you uh, what do you think? Well, he's right that the boosters don't get any actual monetary return on investment for that. I mean, maybe a little bit with this, I guess they're getting the NIL rights and yada, yada, yada. But for the most part, yeah, it's not about getting any money back. Um, I think it's about, you know, boosters give a lot of money to schools because they maybe get access to the program, maybe get their names on something. So yeah, that's, that's a reason they do that. But I think their primary motivation has always been to win. They just, they want their alma mater to win. They want to cheer for a good football team. So I think that's, that's what they're looking for here with this money. They don't need any money back. They just get the joy of winning. Now, we don't know if this $9.5 million figure, this is for about Jaden Rashada, the quarterback who committed to Miami. We don't know if that dollar figure is real. It seems like there's some skepticism that maybe it's inflated. Uh, But either way, I kind of am not in the, the camp of people who are saying that this is unsustainable because just ignoring where the money is coming from for a second 
the top power five schools are bringing in like over a hundred million dollars in revenue and that's growing and growing and that's not even counting the the value of exposure that that having a good football team brings to these schools so the idea that a top recruit at the most important position or at least a top five at that position um, of quarterback could be worth like two million a year like the tennessee quarterback it just doesn't seem that crazy to me that doesn't seem unsustainable um and yes they could bust they could end up being a bust but i feel like if if you knew they were going to be great they'd be getting paid even more than that i think that's uh, bud elliott has talked about this that the bust factor is kind of built in um so i don't know i just talked a lot there and i don't know if i said anything cool yeah it makes sense uh, I, I hear you. i mean i feel like this is for for rich guys that that can't afford to own a team uh you know this is the next best thing for them buy success for their their university and, and, you know, the other thing to keep in mind too, is we don't really know all the, some of these huge figures that are being thrown out there. There's probably a lot of stipulations in order to, to, to reach that, the, the full value. But one thing to also maybe keep in mind for some of these, like maybe some of these boosters or the guys running the, the NIL deals, if they, if they own a, a, a business and maybe, you know, they end up getting, uh, you know, thanks to them, they get a quarterback that ends up winning the Heisman. Maybe their fans are incentivized to go, you know, shop at that guy's store or buy a car from their dealership or something. Not that they're going to get the full return of, of value on their in, on investment in this in this case, the way Scott puts it. But you know, there's a lot of angles here. It'll be interesting in the next couple of years to see how it shakes out. Yeah, like Michael said, this is not about money. I mean, if it was a if no. this was a legit investment opportunity, then I mean, people like you and me would be considering investing in in this sort of thing like just it's just not an investment opportunity they're not in it for the money it's just like you said dry it's rich people that just kind of want to have access to this and maybe make their team better uh, but there's no way that they're gonna recoup all that money that they're sending to it but you know i mean it's even in the past like just because the nil is happening i mean boosters have already donated billions in the history of college football and they've already you know they've kind of paid quote unquote players in the past just to come to their schools. So it's, I don't know, it's just out yeah. in the open now. It, it but. used to all their money, you know, all, every time a coach gets fired, you hear about how they're having to go pass yeah. the hat around to boosters and they're paying millions of dollars to pay coaches not to coach. And they're, they're paying higher and higher coaching salaries. A lot of it is coming from boosters. Now, some of that is just going to end up being redirected directly to players instead of coaches. Cause now you're able to pay players. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, Joe F. asks, looking at the landscape of the Big Ten, and then he's got two questions about the Big Ten. First one, how does Michigan look without Josh Gaddis? So, I don't know, maybe this is a hot take, but I know he was the Broyles Award winner last year, but I personally just don't think he was, like, that great. Maybe it was Harbaugh holding him back a little bit, and he's going to thrive at Miami, but it's not like Michigan's offense was a total juggernaut last year. They were very good. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not <laughs> not putting them down. They won the Big Ten. But in the years before, Michigan fans wanted him gone, and Michigan's offense wasn't generating much. So I don't know how much of an impact it's really going to have on Michigan. Yeah, I don't think it's going to have much of an impact at all because they're not bringing anybody new to come take over the position. They hired within you know, so I'm assuming they're just going to keep the exact same system in place pretty much. And, you know, the play calling will be a different person, but still the same system. They're going to have the same point of emphasis as that they've had the last year. So, yeah, I, I just 
I don't see it having a great effect. I think they'll be better on offense, actually. I, just, yeah. They return a lot of production. They got a lot of guys coming back, so just they'll be a little better. I 100% agree, and I, I'm with Trey in his, I would say, maybe skepticism of, of Gaddis is too strong of a word. More just like the jury is still out, because to, for me at least, because it seemed like the first couple years he was there, yeah, you're right. The offense, he was on kind of a hot seat because the offense hadn't improved like they wanted to. And he was trying to do it his way, it seemed like, running that more modern offense. And then last year, when things kind of clicked, it seems like they just went back to Harbaugh ball and they were running the ball a bunch. Yeah. And it wasn't even what the promise of Josh Gaddis was when he got there. So I, I still am, I just don't think it's necessarily a huge loss. Yep. Next question he has about the Big Ten Will Sparty continue to thrive? I think they're in a in a good position too. I, I don't think they're going to match last year's success, you know, this upcoming year. But because just because they were extremely fortunate, they're not going to have Kenneth Walker to to help the offense. But but the beauty of that success and some of the luck last year, it gave Mel Tucker a platform to be able to recruit better. And so far, they're they're doing that. Combine that with the money that they're investing in the program, I think Michigan State is in a a good spot to contend a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think they will continue to thrive. Um, you know, I mean, they, as you mentioned, they were pretty fortunate to win 11 games last year. They were 5-0 and and games decided by 10 points or less. Um, so they're likely, very likely not going to win 11 this year, but they could still be the same quality team, which I kind of anticipate them being. I don't think they're going to get much better, but I, I think they'll probably be about the same. Um, but they'll probably, they could go like eight and four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still good. You know, people shouldn't think like, oh, Mel Tucker regressed. Like, no, they were still about the same quality probably, but um, they just got pretty fortunate the year before. So, but future looks bright. Future definitely looks bright. 100% agreed. Yeah, that he has them headed in a great direction. There's, I, I don't think you'd find many people uh, doubting their future at this point. All right. We got one from Carter Glenn Pilster. That is, it's fun. But it was. It's also difficult. So each bro's top three midfield logos. Yeah, yeah. This I hadn't really thought about this all that much ever. Like, so this was kind of an interesting <laughs> one to. Well, I mean, <laughs> you just don't. No, thought, I, I don't, know, I just don't really. I, I hadn't yeah. thought much. I've of never it. really considered ranking these. It's kind of similar to just asking who. I mean, there are some unique ones, but it's mostly just asking whose logos do you like. Though there is one kind yeah, of pretty much primary yeah. exception. There's there's some that are. A couple that are a little bit different, maybe, but not not a ton. Um, one that I, you know, saw that I liked a lot was East Carolina um, when they they had the outline of their so they had the uh, the outline of the is the shape of the state and, and their logo is kind of like cut off a little bit in in it. Mm-hmm. So you got the logo inside of it with the shape of the state, the shape of East Carolina. North Carolina, North Carolina, East Carolina, great state. East, <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but the, the no, logo I, I looked like good that too ryan the pirate yeah. in there yeah it was cool uh or the it, the skull whatever yeah yeah but then you, i was reading up and nc state actually like tried to copy it they did like the same thing like with the shape of north carolina and then put their logo in it and they unveiled it and everybody was like at least all the east carolina people like what the heck man <laughs> like you literally just took that idea from us like how can you do that that's shameless so Shameless, man. So what's your top three? East Carolina, number one. Uh, I'm going to say Arkansas, number two. Uh, The Red Razorback running looks pretty cool to me. Um, And I'm more partial to creative logos and designs kind of like that. Not, I I don't, like if you tell me like this simple M 
for Michigan or something like that, or the N for, I'm like, that's just boring. Give me something besides like the first letter of your state. Like that's boring. So I don't like East Carolina, Arkansas. You bring up the N. I don't like Nebraska's field very much. I feel like it is not that attractive looking like the, we need red end zones. We need red end zones. Yeah, that would be nice. That Michael, the, the oh, they don't have the alternating. Oh no. Great. Yeah. It's all the same color this year. Oh, good, good. Because I did not like that. Yeah, and yeah, but the, they need red, the red end zones. The red was getting kind of pinkish too, like mm-hmm. of the end. It was like kind of fading. So what and the now heck? It's like bright red again. I know. Don't uh, they not do like, they not like know. paint that every week? I thought it was. I apparently not. <laughs> it's just the way it is, man. Weird. <laughs> so and now it's now it's strong red again. But yeah, it's boring. So and then my last one would be Texas. Um, the classic Longhorn in the middle. You know, it, that's a cool logo. It's just, it, they, Texas has the best branding yeah. to me in college football. It's the coolest. So I have them at number three. Oh, wow. Okay. I think you have a snub there. I think uh, Carter is going to be upset, but luckily I'm here for him. Number one, LSU, Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, I don't like it that much. I mean, just the fact that it's the Eye of the Tiger and it's unique and different mm-hmm. and it kind of, doesn't it fade out on the unique. outside? I just have to, yeah, I have to give credit for that. Just in general, their field is unique with the, um, the, well, they have the five yeah, yard. every five yards and it's, what do you call it? It's got kind of a gradient or a shadow. It just, I like their field. Um, number two, I had the Texas logo as well. Just the Longhorn, just the color. And I just love the logo. I couldn't come up with the number three. I don't know. I put the Ole Miss script, but honestly, I don't really like the, oh, that's is that yours? Ooh, that's oh, mine. really? Wow. Okay. Well, I, I love it. I mean, good. oh, that's good. You went with it. I, I like the Ole Miss, the script logo. I, I just. I just, I, I'm a fan of that. Um, then I also like, uh, I like the Tulane. They got the angry wave and that's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty oh, awesome. Cool. Pretty funny logo too. Uh, and then I'll go with the Florida Gators. They, they just got the, mm, the big yeah. old gator, uh, the oval kind of shape around, takes up a good portion of midfield. I, I'm a fan of that. I like NC, Ryan, you brought up NC State though. I like their new one with, with just their, Mr. Wolf or whatever they call him. Just the wolf guy. Yeah. I yeah, also, for some reason, good size. he's got the hat on. Yeah, that's true. For some reason, I like, even though it's not unique or creative, Clemson's paw just kind of, I just kind of like it for some reason. Yeah. 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 I'm not, I don't love it that much. Yeah. Well, screw you. It's, yeah, it's I, I like than a letter. <laughs> true. It is better than just a letter. I like the other ones. I like South Carolina's was pretty nice. They got the big C, but inside of it's the Gamecock, which is kind of cool. Okay. Florida State. That's like Florida State's logo, and that's what it is. It's right. the Seminole kind of face, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Wyoming, the yeah. Cowboy. I kind of like how Michigan State's is white. It's the same color as as like the yard lines and stuff. It just kind of. The line. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah, it's only, yeah. it's, you could argue it's boring, but I just, I don't know, it's kind of clean, though. Yeah, that's true. At least it's the Spartan, the Spartan like logo. Yeah. Too, so, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Which ones has the worst? Ooh, ooh. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, I'd have to look, but anyone that just has the letter, they don't have one. Oh, oh they yeah, just don't point. have anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they. Am I? Am I mistaken on that? No, I don't know. I just. I, it does sound I think right. It's not something hey, I you get. think about. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't think Penn State does. Notre Dame used to not, but now they do. Or no, Penn State does have the blue Nittany line, I think, in the middle. No, they don't. Or no, they don't. Well, I think they uh, have at some point. I'm trying oh. to look at photos. 
No, uh, they don't. Anyways, if anything, sorry. they had an S, but I don't think they do. Yeah, you looks like you're right. Yeah, interesting. See, that's what I mean when I was talking about the beginning. Like, you don't really think about this all that much. You're not trying to rank them. It was an interesting question. It was. All right. Um, I'll move on to the next. The last question we have uh, is on part one of our mailbag. Uh, Nick Rodriguez from the Nick Rodriguez podcast. Which current QB would make the best head coach? I like the question. This one is tough, though, because we don't really see a lot from college quarterbacks we don't see them interviewed a whole a whole lot it's i don't know it's not like the nfl where it feels like we get to know them over a 10-year period so but i did i did come up with an answer i went grayson mccall at, at coastal carolina mm. just seems because <laughs> he pisses teal. he seems very likable i love the fact that he pisses teal that just seems like a ball <laughs> yeah. coach type thing to say just the yeah, oh, heck yeah. so <laughs> that's uh, that was one and also adrian martinez former nebraska quarterback now k-state just because he seems like a great leader, hard worker. Everybody seems to like him. So I could see him being a coach. Yep. I agree there. Uh, I went with, this is tough. I, I said Cam Rising uh, of Utah. He's been in multiple, hmm. uh, you know, good big time programs. Tom Herman obviously might not have been the best overall coach, but Texas was solid and, and Herman coached the offense well enough. And then now he's learning under Kyle Whittingham, who's one of the best coaches in the country. He can see firsthand what it takes to to run a good program. You know, he's playing at a high level, so he obviously knows the game. That was my angle on this. Yeah, yeah. When I when I was thinking about this, it's like, well, you can't pick somebody that's going to have potentially have a long NFL career, <laughs> right? In my eyes, like otherwise, this just won't. Why would you become a head coach? I mean, that seems kind of rare. So you can't pick an elite guy. So I was thinking. I had it down to two guys, but ultimately I'll go, I'll go with Michael Penix. Um, he's learned from the great Kalen DeBoer um, <laughs> there at Indiana. Uh, he was, <laughs> did a great job with him. Um, and now he's kind of j- going to, you know, he transferred to UW to join forces again with Kalen DeBoer, but also Pel- Michael Penix has had some, some adversity in his career. He's had a lot of injuries, you know, he kind of got to need, know how to deal with adversity as a coach. Um, and I, I don't foresee him having a long NFL career, so I could see him jumping into the, the coaching world after his college playing days. Okay. Other thoughts I had were just coaches or players who are learning under great offensive coaches. So I thought about uh, Chandler Morris at TCU because he is now playing for Sonny Dykes, but he also played for, under Lincoln Riley, so he could be right in that uh, kind of tree of coaches. And then Tanner Mordecai, same thing. He he played for Lincoln Riley at OU oh, yeah. and Sunny Dykes at SMU. That's a, that's yeah, doing the that sort of air raid yep. type of system QB, the Graham Harrells. Yes. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury. World, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. yeah. That's a good route to go. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for, like Ryan said, part one of this mailbag. We'll do part two next week. So uh, thanks again for all these questions, and we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.